Let's grab our Bibles this morning. We're going to be in 1 John chapter number 4 as we jump back into a series that we left off from last year as we went into the Christmas months and we had our Christmas messages and then our beginning of the year messages. Uh, we're jumping back into 1 John again and our series is called 100, 100% Verified. Uh, we believe this and, and the reason John wrote this is so that we can know who God is. We can know that from his word. We can know that from his truth. And in light of knowing who he is, we can know who we really are and we can have a verified relationship with him. How many of you are glad that the creator of this universe desires to be in relationship with you and with me? Amen. That's amazing. The one who spoke all things into existence knows the numbers of hairs on our head. He knows every feeling we have. He knows every thought we think. And he desires to have a relationship with us. And John is written out of the vein of a very powerful relationship. You remember in the beginning of our study, we talked a little bit about the Apostle John. The Apostle John was known as the disciple whom Jesus loved. It wasn't that Jesus didn't love all his disciples, but there was a special relationship between John and himself. You remember that on the cross, as Jesus was giving his life for our sins. He looked down and he saw Mary, his mother, and he saw his disciple John standing together. And he spoke to John and he said, John, behold your mother. And he said, mother, behold your son. And in essence, he entrusted the care of his mother, Mary, to his disciple, John. There was a closeness. There was a relationship there. And John writes this epistle. He writes this letter of 1 John in the vein of this relationship. He says, I knew Jesus. I walked with Jesus. I personally witnessed his, his ministry. I was personally called by him and I'm verifying to you he is 100% real. You can trust this Jesus. He loves you and he desires relationship with you. And this is how John wrote this letter. So we're going to dig in once again, where we've left off in 1 John chapter 4, we're going to begin reading with verse number 1. If you found your place there and you're physically able to stand, let's stand together out of respect for the reading of God's word. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye that the Spirit of God... Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world. Therefore, speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. As John writes now, he gravitates into calling his readers into a maturing and developing relationship with him. One where they have discernment. One where they can tell the difference between 
error and truth. And that's a sign of spiritual maturity. And that's what we're going to be talking about today in this passage of Scripture. Let's pray and ask for the Holy Spirit's help as we navigate this truth. Heavenly Father, God, we're so thankful for your word. We're thankful, God, that you care about what we believe and that you've given us your truth from Scripture. Help us now to be faithful, to discern and to learn who you are, to learn your truth from your word so that we might tell the difference between error and truth. And may we seek after that which is true. You promise us in your word that the truth will make us free. So God, help us to be people of your truth. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, as John in this passage calls us to mature in our Christian walk, he he calls us to know more about Jesus, to not get sucked into the errors that exist in our world. He really is calling us to grow up in our relationship with God. And maturing is difficult. You may remember as you were growing bodily as a child and you were hitting those developmental markers that you would experience growing pains at times. Your body would give way from where it was in order to progress to what it would become. And it's the same thing in a Christian's life. As we grow to know God more, we go through some of the growing pains of eliminating things that are untrue from our life so that we can in greater ways embrace the truth of God's word. Every revelation of truth requires that we put away the lie. And that's part of what growing in Jesus is. That's why it can be a painful process for our flesh. In fact, the apostle Paul put it this way, I die daily. How many of you know dying hurts? And dying in our flesh hurts. Growing in the spirit can bring about that discomfort that brings us from a point where we are in error to a point where we are in truth. So the calling here is for us to mature in this. So we're going to look, first of all, this morning at our responsibility. We're looking at testing the spirits, and we need to know our responsibility in that, because we do have a responsibility. And notice with me here, verse number one of 1 John 4. He starts off with beloved, and I'm glad he does that, because John shares many difficult truths for us. You know, John is not a gray area guy as he's writing 1 John. He doesn't give us room to explore and Okay, we may not be doing exactly what we need to, and, and yet we, we, we are trying to do the truth, and we're, in, we're somewhere in between, and it's okay. It's okay to be in that gray area. That's not what John says. From the very beginning of us learning 1 John, we saw that he's very distinctive in where we're at in our walk with the Lord. He says, you're either in darkness or you're in light. He says, you're either in a lie or you're in the truth. He says you're either operating in love or you're, hopper, you're operating in hate. He says that you either are in the word or you're in the world. So, so there's no gray area with John. And by the way, I believe this, there's no gray area with God. How many of you know that Jesus is truth? And that's what he calls us to. And so John is going to share hard things. Those are hard things to hear. We don't like accountability. We don't like to be called to specific things. But I'm glad that in sharing the truth, he does it in love. And, and he opens up this chapter by saying, beloved. And that's what we're called to do. We are called to be people of the truth, 
but that doesn't mean we have to be angry, hateful people about it. The Bible says that we are called to share the truth in love. Yes, we're to be people of the truth. We're to be people of the word. We're supposed to have convictions concerning the truth of God's word, but we need to minister that out in his love. And I'm glad that John, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, does that for us. He says, beloved. He says, I love you. Hey, you're doing wrong, but I love you and I want to give you the truth. By the way, if somebody says they love you, but they're not giving you the truth, they don't really love you. I mean, there are all things that we would like to hear. There are all things that feel, we all have things that feel good to hear. And we would prefer that people tell us the things we'd like to hear. But that's not always where truth resides. And more than feeling good about ourselves or about a situation, we need the truth of God's word. So John says, beloved, and then he shares this with us. Beloved people I love, I'm going to share with you some hard truth. And here it is. Don't be gullible believers. It's essentially what he says. Notice what he says here in verse number one. Believe not every spirit. And Christians are really bad about this especially Christians who want to be spiritual but don't want the presence of the Holy Spirit in their life. They want to be spiritual, but they don't want to be in the Word of God. They want to kind of navigate their spiritual life through their feelings. They want to be reactionary Christians. If it feels good, it must be right. If it feels bad, it must be wrong. But that's not what John says here. John says, don't be a gullible believer. Don't believe every spirit. And sometimes as Christians, if it sounds spiritual, if it mentions God, if they say the name Jesus, if they reference the Bible, then everything they say must be accurate. And John is saying, that's not true. Don't be gullible. And let me just say, I fear that many Christians today are very gullible spiritually. They avail their minds and their hearts to all kinds of philosophies of the world to all kinds of designer truths that exist in our world today because they're put in a package that looks spiritual. They're put in a package that appeals to our spiritual senses. But John says, don't believe every spirit. There's truth and there's error. I wanna hit on this as well. Beliefs are important. Beliefs are important. A lot of people are conditioned in our pluralistic world today where there are many truths and everybody basically believes the same thing and whatever you choose to believe, if you're sincere about it, we're all gonna end up arriving basically at the same place anyway. Those are lies from the devil. What you believe does matter. And John is saying belief systems arrive from something that's spiritual. In other words, what you believe is either coming from God's spirit or it's coming from the spirit of the world. Every belief system is attached to a spirit. There's no innocent belief system. Belief systems originate from somewhere. And I believe this, all of the false doctrine, all of the false teaching that exists in the world today comes from a satanic demonic spirit. In fact, here in this passage, the Bible says it's the spirit of Antichrist, which I told you would come and already exists in the world today. 
So when we send our kids off to school, when we send them to the clubs, when we go about our day and involve ourselves with different groups and different people, we are conditioned in our world to say, well, it doesn't really matter what people believe as long as they try to be good, as long as they try to do things that we perceive are right, then we all must believe the same thing. That is not true. It is a lie and it's a dangerous lie. Don't be a gullible Christian. Test the spirits. Make sure that philosophies and beliefs do indeed come from the word of God. Test the spirits. Notice here again with me, verse number one, beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God. Notice this, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. He's saying the world's full of deceivers who are going to try to take you away from the truth. And we'll go into the Christian bookstore and we'll look at a book cover and some guy has a contagious smile and great hair. I mean, great hair. And you're looking at that book cover and you're like, this guy's got his act together. And I'm going to read this book and hopefully this will transform my life. And we grab it as a gullible Christian and we open it up. And before you know it, he's telling us about how we have our own champion in us and we're going to do great as long as we think positively. And all we have to do is be nice and courteous to people, which by the way, how many of you know, the Bible says we're supposed to be nice and courteous to people. But yet in all of that writing, there's a promotion of the flesh and not a promotion of the son of God. And if we're not careful, we will be a gullible Christian that will get sucked into those false philosophies and it will draw us away from the truth of scripture. We must be very careful about that. John, if you'll remember, is writing to a church where false doctrine has begun to seep into the church because they were not vigilant about it. They had grabbed on to pre-Gnostic thoughts about Jesus where they spiritualized his, his incarnation and said it didn't really happen physically. They spiritualized his death, burial, and resurrection and said it didn't really happen in the flesh. And they were living in a dualistic type uh, religion where what, what happens on earth doesn't matter because it's all about the flesh. And so our behavior doesn't really matter and it's not going to be judged. And only, the only things that matter are things that are in eternity. And one day when we get into eternity, then that's when life's going to matter. So it doesn't really count how we live here on earth. And that's going to shape the way you behave. The, the, the members of the churches that John is writing to are falling into sin and sinful lifestyles because they believe what happens here on earth doesn't matter. Because Jesus didn't really come in the flesh and he didn't really die in the flesh. And it totally warped their sense of spiritual living. And so John is writing and he's saying, you've got to be careful. Don't believe every spirit. Not every belief system is from God. Don't be a gullible Christian. And Christian, let me encourage you about this this morning. Don't just go into a Christian bookstore and pick up that Christian movie, that Christian book, that Christian philosophy, and just say, wow, that cover looks great. That looks like it might meet a need that I have in my life. And just start reading it as though it's Bible. Do your research. Research the author. Research where they're coming from. Research what they believe. Research who they're affiliated with. Because it's that easy to get sucked into false teaching and false doctrine. And you need to be careful about it. So we see our responsibility here. Secondly, this morning, I want us to see our recognition. You might say, okay, pastor, I agree with you. We have a responsibility to not be gullible and not believe every spirit that comes to speak in our ear. But how do I tell the difference between false teachers 
and true teachers. How do I tell the difference between the truth and error? And this was a complication for the early church because the early church was not afforded the privilege that we have today. How many of you are glad today we have the completed word of God? We have it cover to cover. It's been finished. We have the truth from God's word and we test the spirits by opening up the word of God and challenging errors by seeing what God has said. So we use the word of God. Now, in the early church, they were also supposed to use the word of God, but this word of God was actively being given to the church through the apostles, such as John's writings. And as John was writing this, he knew they didn't have the completed revelation of the word of God, so he boiled the test down to one central theme. He said this to the church that he was writing to. He said, if you want to tell the difference between truth and error, look at what somebody has to say about Jesus. Because if you get Jesus wrong, you get everything wrong. Let me say that again. If you get Jesus wrong, you get everything wrong. It doesn't matter how many old ladies you walk across the street if you get Jesus wrong. It doesn't matter how much you, your Girl Scout cookies you sell if you get Jesus wrong. It doesn't matter what else in your life you can check the box and say, I got that right. I was nice to my neighbor. I didn't kick the cat too much. I was real nice to the dog. I I fed my hamster. I did all these things. But if you get Jesus wrong, listen to me, you get it all wrong. You get it all wrong. And so this is what John says. Notice with me in verse number two. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. This is the test. This is how we test the spirits. This is how we test philosophies. This is how we test churches and pastors and teachers and those who would say that they're prophets. What do they have to say about Jesus? Because if they get Jesus wrong, they get everything else wrong. So what are the key things we need to look about at about what they say about Jesus? Well, there's some words I want us to look at here. First of all, I want us to see the word confess. He that confesseth that Jesus has come in the flesh. That word confess is a strong word. It means to say the same thing. Now, how many of you know that there is a huge implication to the fact that Jesus came in the flesh? Because here, it doesn't just say Jesus, it says Jesus Christ. What does that mean? Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the God-man, Jesus the sacrifice. So when you look at this passage and we're making that test, we're saying, okay, what do you say about Jesus? This is how I know if you're true. This is how I know if you're right. This is how I know if you're verified. This is how I know if you're a legitimate faith. What do you say about Jesus? Well, they need to confess. They need to say the same thing the word of God says about Jesus. What does the word of God say about Jesus? It says this, Jesus is the Christ, the son of God. What does that mean? It means that God became flesh and dwelt among us. 
It means this, Jesus Christ is God. How many of you are glad he's God today? Why is that so important? Because if he's not, then you and I are not saved. Because only God, only the sinless, perfect, holy one could be the sacrifice that we needed to be washed and cleansed from our sin. So what is the test? How do I know the difference between truth and error? Well, what do people say about Jesus? You'll remember that Jesus even asked that question of his disciples. He said, who do men say that I am? And his disciples said, well, some think that you're Isaiah and some think that you're John. Some think you're this and that. And then Simon Peter answered and he said, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. How many of you know it's important what you believe? This is the test. What do people say about Jesus? Now, why is that important? Because we can apply it across the board to belief systems and philosophies that exist in the world. For instance, Islam. Islam believes this about Jesus. He was merely a prophet. In fact, in the writings of Islam, the writings say God has no son. So they do not believe that God incarnated himself in human flesh, died from sins, and were risen again. They believe that he was merely a prophet. So in our test, we understand that right away, regardless of any other point that we might have disagreement with Islam, that right there says it is a false teaching and it is a false doctrine. Islam does not bring the truth about who God is. It does not bring the truth about who Jesus is. So we do not address it as being true. Why? Because it is a lie. It does not speak the truth. Say, Pastor, you can't say stuff like that. That's hateful language. It's not hateful language. I don't hate people who believe in Islam. I want to win them to Jesus. I want to tell them about Jesus. If I didn't love them, I would say, yeah, you're doing great. Believe that Jesus is just a prophet and you'll do fine. No, that would mean I hate them and that I want them to go to hell. I don't want that. I want them to know Jesus. How many of you want others to know Jesus like you know Jesus? Then we got to start telling people that's false teaching. It's false doctrine. And that teaching will land you in hell because it does not Bring to your life salvation from the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that there is one name, one singular name under heaven whereby you must be saved, and that name is the Lord Jesus Christ. Islam is a false doctrine. It's false teaching. Why? Because of who they say Jesus is. We can apply this to Buddhism. They also say, or Buddhism, they also say Jesus was a teacher. That's who he was. He was a good teacher, brought some good philosophies. But Buddhism does not believe that Jesus was the Christ, that he was the son of God, that he paid the price for our sin, that he rose again, that we have eternal life through him. They believe that we can acquire self-actualization and realization of who we are through many lives as we come back and promote ourselves to where we can be like a God one day. They do not believe the right thing about Jesus. Buddhism contains false teaching, false doctrine, false philosophy, and it's full of lies. And if you're counting on Buddhism to make you right with God, it will not make you right with God. Why? Because of what they believe about Jesus. It all comes back to Jesus. That's what John is saying. We can apply this to Hinduism. Hinduism also believes that Jesus was merely a teacher. We can apply this to the New Age. 
which is derived from many of these Eastern forms of mysticism. New Age, again, will, will qualify Jesus as a teacher, but does not believe that Jesus is God, is the Son of God, is the Christ. In fact, they believe that we can become our own God as we come into harmony with everything that's around us. We can apply this to some of the cults that try to pass themselves off as being Christian in nature. We can apply it to Mormonism. Mormonism believes that Jesus was a created being. How many of you are glad that Jesus is eternal God? John, the apostle who wrote 1 John, wrote also the Gospel of John. And the Gospel of John begins by declaring who Jesus truly is. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. And without Him is not anything made that was made. My Jesus is not a man. He's not a teacher. He is the God-man and He died for our sins. That's who Jesus is. Why are you hitting the pulpit? Because I'm testing its integrity and craftsmanship. (laughs) Hey, I can't be any more emphatic about anything than this. Jesus Christ is God. And Christians are walking away from that today. Well, yeah, I kind of believe that, but I kind of feel like if people believe other stuff, that they're good people and they'll go to heaven. No, they won't. And you need to get your evangelism shoes of the gospel on and you need to start telling people about Jesus again. Because Jesus is our only hope. He's our only hope. He was just a created being. I can't tell you, I don't have time to dig into all that Mormonism teaches about Jesus, but they believe that he was a created being that eventually ascended into becoming a God. That's not the Bible Jesus. Jehovah's Witnesses, we can apply it to. Jesus, again, was a created being. They don't believe that he's the Christ. They don't believe that he's the Son of God. They don't espouse to him the deity of what they believe about Jehovah. And so they get it wrong concerning Jesus. Now, this one hits a little close to home. And I'm not trying to offend people through this. I'm trying to open our eyes as John was lovingly trying to open people's eyes about the difference between truth and error. We can apply it, I believe, to Catholicism. Now, Catholicism will purport a doctrinal position that Jesus is God that Jesus came from heaven, that he died for our sins, and that he rose again, and that we can have life in him. But then they turn back around, and they minimalize and marginalize the person of Christ because they share Jesus' deity with Mary in the sense that they put Mary up as a co-redemptress with Christ. That's why they pray to Mary. That's why in the rosary they lift up Mary. They also share his position of high priest with men and saints that you're supposed to pray through, where they go before their priest and they confess their sins and that priest forgives them or uh, absolves them of their trespasses. And my Bible says that God is the only one who can forgive sins. My Bible says that there is one mediator between us and God, and it is Christ Jesus. So we can apply it to Catholicism. Why? Because they dilute the deity of Christ. They dilute the position of Christ. And anytime you do that, you have to count on your own works and on your own righteousness to get to heaven. And all of these positions that discount Jesus are works-based faiths and philosophies. 
There's only two religions that exist in the whole world, two faith systems that exist in the whole world. And those two faith systems are the faith system of grace, which says that it's through Christ and Christ alone and the work that he's done that he gives me as a free gift is how I can go to heaven. The other faith system is the faith system of works that says he either did part of it or some of it, not all of it. He wasn't really God. And so there's responsibility for me in some fashion to work myself to heaven or nirvana or enlightenment. It's all about me. Those are the only two faith systems that exist in the entire world today. It doesn't matter what you label them. And I am glad today for the grace of God extended to us through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It matters what you believe. And that's what John is saying. He's saying, don't be a gullible Christian. Don't believe every spirit that looks good on the outside, but doesn't say the right things about Jesus. That's our test. Now, lastly this morning, and we'll be done. What is our recourse? We see that we have a responsibility to grow up and be accountable. We have a responsibility to know who God is and to know his truth. And out of that responsibility, we have to be able to recognize what is truth and error. How do we recognize that? We recognize that by knowing what they say about Jesus. What do you say about Jesus? Who do you believe Jesus is? What do you believe he's done for us? So what's our recourse? What helps us to know that difference? What helps us to grab onto that? Well, notice with me as we pick up here in verse number four. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. How many of you are glad we've already overcome all this untruth? If you're saved, you have the recourse of the Spirit of God in you. Greater is he, this verse says, that is in you than he that is in the world. How many of you are glad if you're saved this morning, you have the Spirit of God indwelling you? What a blessing that is. What a recourse that is. And we're going to see why that's important here in just a moment. Notice verse 5. They are of the world. Who? The false teachers, the false doctrines, the false philosophies. They're of the world. And the world heareth them. Why does the world hear them? Because they don't have the Spirit of God in them. Verse 6. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. That's our recourse. What's our recourse? We have the spirit of God in us and we have the word of God with us. And the word of God and the spirit of God never contradict each other. They work together to bring us to all truth. Jesus said before he ascended up into heaven, I'm going to send the comforter to you. And when the comforter is come, he will guide you or lead you to all truth. That's our recourse. This is, these are the resources we have to know truth and error. Now, why is it important that we have the Spirit of God in us? Because it allows us to hear the Word of God. The Bible says this about the Word of God. The natural man receiveth not the things of God. Neither can he, because they are spiritually discerned. But how many of you are glad when you're saved, the Spirit of God moves inside of you, and now you can know the Word of God? The Bible tells us, that our spirit will bear witness with his spirit telling us that we are the sons of God. So the spirit of God and the word of God are our recourse for knowing the difference between truth and error. How does that practically work out in our lives? Be in church. How many of you know we need this message this morning? Our children and ourselves are being tugged all the time to join the philosophies of this world. 
to grab on to the pluralistic philosophies that exist around us. Oh, there are many roads that lead to heaven. There are many paths you can be on. Just be a good person. You're going to be okay. No, you're not going to be okay. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Say, Pastor, that's very narrow. That almost sounds mean. Well, the way is narrow. The way is the person of Jesus. But how many of you are glad it's accessible to everybody? It's not narrow. Anybody can believe in Jesus. Anybody can trust him as their personal Lord and Savior. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And when the word of God is preached, the spirit of God can bring conviction to a person's heart, can bring life to a person's heart. They can understand who Jesus is. They can receive him as their free gift. They can be saved. And whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How many of you are glad we're all whosoever's this morning? It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank account. It doesn't matter what your educational status is. If you hear the word of God and the Holy Spirit convicts your heart, you can trust him as your personal Lord and Savior. You can place your faith in him and you can be saved and you can be filled with the spirit of God. And when you're filled with the spirit of God, you can know the word of God. And when you can know the word of God, you can know the difference between truth and error. And it's important it's important. Don't be satisfied with being a gullible Christian where everything that sounds spiritual catches your attention. Everything that sounds spiritual stirs your fancy. Everything that sounds spiritual. No, no. Test the spirits. Make sure that what you're hearing comes from God and his word. Don't just run after fancy tales and fables. Know the word of God. The Holy Spirit and his truth are our recourse. John says, beloved, how many of you are glad God loves us? I love you this morning, but you hit the pulpit. I still love you. And my hand hurts a little bit now. But I can't be more emphatic than this. More than any feeling we're searching for, we need the truth of God's word today. Grab onto it. Hold fast to it value it, be in it. It will preserve you and keep you locked in to that which is true. Let's all stand this morning with our heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around this morning. Maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, I'm not sure that I'm saved. I have been counting on my own works. I have been counting on my religion. I have been counting on what I do to make me right with God. And this morning I heard you say from the, the word of God that it's not about me, it's about what Jesus did. Have you fully and completely trusted in him? Have you confessed to him that you're a sinner? Have you received him personally as your savior? Do you know for sure today that if you died, you'd be with God in heaven? Maybe this morning you'd say, Pastor, I'm not sure about that. I'd like to pray for you. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one's looking around. I won't come back to you, I won't embarrass you in any way. I won't call you out. I just wanna pray for you. And you'd say, Pastor, I'm not sure that I'm saved. Would you raise your hand, just real quick? I just wanna pray for you. Pastor, I've been counting on other things. I don't have that personal relationship with God. I don't know for sure if I died today, I'd be with God in heaven. Anybody like that this morning? Just wanna pray for you. All right then, Christians. 
Are you spiritually gullible? Are you running after this doctrine and that doctrine, this teacher and that teacher, this book and that movie in order to try to get your spiritual sustenance? When's the last time you really studied the word of God? When's the last time you really tried to apply his truth in your life? Don't be a gullible Christian. Test the spirits. What do they say about Jesus? Does the spirit bear witness with your spirit that they're speaking truth about the Son of God?